Welcome to the Advent Sermons and Conversations podcast. This is the sermon half. The sermon was given by Pastor Danielle on June 10th, the third Sunday after Pentecost. You can find the readings for this week in the podcast description. If you would like to join us for a service, our services are 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. in English and 12.30 p.m. in Spanish at 93rd and Broadway. When I was a kid, I was pretty anxious all the time, in fact, and I was kind of weird. No, I wasn't. I was weird. I was a weird kid. And my parents were great. They let me be weird. But yet I still felt like I wasn't supposed to be weird, so I didn't like it when other people noticed me, unless I intentionally wanted to be noticed. I'd get really anxious if I got called out in a crowd, and if people spoke about my weirdness, Well, until I was old enough to embrace it and claim it as my own, it would send me running away in tears. Today we hear people pointing fingers at Jesus and saying some not so complimentary things, at least things that appear not complimentary on the outset. That he's out of his mind, that he's possessed, that he's causing too much of a disturbance all charges levied at Jesus early on in his ministry. So why are they saying these things about him? Well, because he's a little weird, and he's going around tearing up the place, healing the sick, declaring forgiveness to known sinners, breaking Sabbath laws, calling together fishermen and tax collectors, going toe-to-toe with the Pharisees, and saying radical things about God, and that is only in the first three chapters of Mark. No one in their right mind would act this way. And yet, against all odds, he seems to be gathering followers. People are hanging on to his every word. And the Pharisees need to put a stop to it. Not because they are bad guys, but because they've figured out the truth and Jesus is not it. They experience the truth as a a stagnant thing, which before we go pointing fingers is something that most people do. We fix our mind on what is the course, what is true and normal and right, and we stay there. In fact, that is what mainstream Christianity has been asking us to do for decades. Pick a lane, stay in it. Be nice, salute the flag, don't rock the boat. So maybe... Just maybe we can put ourselves in the sandals of the anxious Pharisees who are having their worldview, their truth, which by the by they know to be God's truth under what feels like an attack. A truth that is also tied to their identity, their standing in the community, their entire way of life. So yes, this Jesus must be out of his mind because if he is right, even just a little bit, it calls everything into question. When I was at Oceanside, we had a lot of ministry with and for folks with developmental different abilities. And in the midst of creating space for that ministry to flourish, one of the things that quickly became evident was the misuse of our word normal and how we used normal and abnormal to build fences around people, and fences around truths to keep everyone in their lane. And there was a young boy there 
who has, had been written off time and time again by, by people, saying that he was just too much, too different, too out there, out of his mind. And yet I have to say, one of the things that he brought to our community, one of the amazing gifts he brought to our community was an ability and a gift to love. To love in a way that had no judgment, that met the person in front of them and embraced them, no matter who they are or where they were coming from. And I remember having a conversation with his mother and she said, the reason that everybody says that he's other and different and are pointing him out is because if just there is a possibility that he could be normal, that this is normal, then it calls into question the whole thing. It calls into question how everybody loves one another, how everyone chooses to be with one another. It calls into question the boundaries and the borders that have kept everything so neat and tidy. Suddenly things are messy. And I remember thinking in that moment that messy feels a lot like heaven. And I think it does if you're the one being liberated by the truth. But if you're the one whose truth is being challenged, well, it can feel a whole lot like hell. I think the question for us here today isn't why they're saying these things about Jesus, wondering if he's out of his mind. I think the, because that to me feels uncomfortably and intimately evident, but rather I think that the question we should be asking as the church is why no one is calling into question our sanity? Why isn't anybody pointing fingers our direction? Why aren't we making anyone uncomfortable? House divided itself cannot, against itself cannot stand. A scripture often misquoted to promote unity at all costs. Jesus is speaking of himself. Satan cannot cast out Satan, and yet Jesus has already cleared out some unclean spirits. If Jesus cannot be divided against himself, what does that mean for us as the body of Christ to live in an undivided and intentional way? Well, if we are to be the body of Christ, that does not mean we're all supposed to be the same positioning ourselves in opposition to the diverse vision of creation in Genesis, nor does it mean that we are to be God, the desire and downfall of Adam and Eve. Rather, it means we are to live in such a way that we are a reflection of Christ, going in with eyes wide open, knowing that we are inheritors of Adam and Eve, broken and sinful, and yet we are also inheritors of Jesus, made holy and whole through the immeasurable love and grace of God. So if we are to be a reflection of the body of Christ, a task made possible only through the gracious gift of the Holy Spirit acting on our lives, what does that look like? I think it looks a whole lot weirder than what we normally think it does. I think it's a whole lot more beautiful than what we normally see portrayed. You know, there seems to be a lot of confusion on this point. In fact, the very definition of Christianity often seems up for grabs. 
If you are to believe what you hear on the news, what lobbyists promote to legislators behind closed doors or listen to the dominant voices of televised Christianity, you'd think that the values are purity, safety, comfort, making things palatable, and keeping at a distance all those who are other, who are different, who might call into question the worldview, the truth named absolute belonging to God and manipulated by little men with big egos. You know, it's a Christianity that loves unity at any cost, a Christianity that loves country above all things, that is fervent in prayer for those people to be just like us. It's a Christianity that supports conversion and neonatal life only, that won't speak on racial injustice or the victimization of women or children being caged at the border, but baked goods throw the community into a tizzy. And yet, I also know it's a Christianity full of people trying to be faithful to the body of Christ in the ways they've always been told were important. Again, with purity and safety and preservation of divine right and an identity and way of life not unlike the Pharisees. It's a people trying to protect truth, protect what they know, protect God as if God needs protection, as if God needs to be neat and ordered. And this building walls around truth so that no one can get in or out alive. We can point, it, we can point to it in its most extreme cases and say, glad that's not us. But let's be honest, it is us. It's human nature to do this. Our box truth might look different, but it's the same idea. To make truth look like us, to make it our own, stagnant and graspable, and in doing so to usurp God. We've been doing it since Adam and Eve. But, but if instead of culture, we are to take scripture as our guide for what the body of Christ looks like, as seen through the lens of the life and ministry of Jesus, the values of the body of Christ look very different than dominant culture might lead us to believe. They look like justice and love and mercy and challenging the status quo if and when it stands against the flourishing of God's creation, of God's people. It looks messy in ways that are challenging and beautiful and wonderful. The body of Christ looks like healing and forgiveness and dinner parties with tax collectors and sinners. It looks like challenging the divisive and dangerous practices of powers and principalities that keep people separate and othered, that keep people beaten down. It looks like sacrifice and friends on the road together, like celebration and weeping both at the same time. It looks like barriers removed so that people can reclaim their divine birthright as children of God. It looks like Jesus baking rainbow cakes and dancing at the wedding. It looks like Jesus dismantling cages at the border and demanding the guards to let the detained and criminalized little children come to me. It looks like Jesus freeing the guards, insisting they don't have to live this way. It looks like Jesus hammering out guns into pruning hooks and planting a garden for the survivors. It looks like Jesus challenging the Pharisees and still loving them, still forgiving them, still understanding them. It looks like Jesus declaring family is more than blood, but it is love. It looks like Jesus is out of his mind, 
declaring what is is no longer what will be, and when, especially when, he does it hanging from the cross. So the body of Christ looks like that, like shouting down injustice while dancing with abandon, foregoing what is easy for what is right, speaking up for others who are being dehumanized even when they are not in the room, loving the person in front of you in ways that are vulnerable and scary. It looks like love, never stagnant, like fire always moving and growing, consuming, knocking down walls and breaking out of boxes, refining, remaking, and challenging us to do the same. It looks anything like normal. Because it doesn't look anything like normal. It doesn't look anything like expected. It looks like more. So that one day the hope is when people look at us and say, what is wrong with you? Are you out of your mind? We can simply say, yes, thank you. I'm in great company. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at adventnyc.org. Our services are 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. in English and 12.30 p.m. in Spanish at 93rd and Broadway.